This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here in Claves. I know we've been looking forward to this for, what, a couple of months now. We've been planning and talking about all of the different topics we're going to be hitting in here. And I'd love to say that we're going to get them all in here on the first show today, but I mean, as good as we are, we're not quite that good. It's gonna, it's going to take us a couple of months to get through all of this. But good to talk to you again, man. Hope everything's well. Everything is well, and welcome back. Uh, you and I did this many years ago, and to have you back on board, uh, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to us having a lot of fun this year. Uh, a lot of things to talk about. You're absolutely right. And one of the things, Kevin, we're going to talk a lot about is saying one thing: we don't know. <laughs> we're still in a, we're still in the dark about so many things whether it's what the protocol is going to look like, yeah. who's going to hit fourth. I mean, there's so many things from a, a national perspective all the way down to even how the minor leagues are going to shake out. So I'm looking forward to it. we got a lot of time this year in the offseason to talk about it, and we're going to get it started tonight. Man, we're busy tonight, too. You know, uh, John Mozeliak spoke earlier this afternoon for like 50 minutes and covered a lot of ground. And we can't get all 50 minutes in here, but we're going to get you some of the highlights uh, coming up in our next segment. To, he'll tell us what he knows about the planning moving forward. Uh, we'll have Bill DeWitt Jr., the chairman of the team, on just after that, so a little bit later on this hour. Again, I don't know that we're going to get any better answers than we can get from those two guys, Claves. I mean, if they don't know, then you know nobody knows. And I think we're in a spot right now in Major League Baseball where – I'm not sure anybody really knows how many games, when spring training starts, who's got what budget. I mean, we might know that there are four, maybe five franchises that are spending, like actually spending money. I think everybody else is kind of in the I don't know category too. So it's going to be a, a, a nationwide theme for Major League Baseball this offseason. Yeah, and there's so many questions still to be answered. I mean, how many games are we going to play? I mean, what's what's mm. the divisions going to look like? I mean, is there going to be a DH and I think the real elephant in the room is uh, how is collective bargaining going to be negotiated this year? This is the last year of the current agreement, and there's so many questions to be asked after this year. And I just think we're just going to have to keep uh, eating off of the patient's pie and just trying to take this one step at a time because there are a lot of questions that won't have answers to it until we start playing the game. 
Uh, that was a theme that, that Mo hit on this afternoon. Again, we'll hear some from him in a few minutes. Uh, again, we'll hear from Bill DeWitt Jr. later on this hour. We're going to catch up with Mike Schilt next hour. So, again, you got the three guys that are going to be in the middle of making all of these decisions. We'll also talk to Derek Gould next hour as well. Um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of what we'll be talking about, Klaibs, uh, and, and we'll hear from, I think, all of the people involved that, we just, that I just listed in the show tonight. We're going to be talking at least a little bit with each of them about Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, of course, franchise icons that are in free agency right now and I know nobody likes that hanging out there but I mean right now that's what it is it's hanging out there and it seems like everybody involved would like to make something happen but with all that uncertainty we just touched on and I mean you know things things that might have been sorted already in previous off seasons are are, are still hanging out in the breeze uh, I would agree with you and I think it's it has a lot to do with both of those guys have a chance to really test the water get an offer if there is going to be one. And the unfortunate thing is other teams just aren't in a position to make a move one way or the other. So we're all kind of in a holding pattern. But I'm of the belief that both of those guys will be back. And I don't have any inside knowledge, but I think they're more valuable to the Cardinals than they would be for anyone else, especially the price tag, because that that's something that's going to come into play. The Cardinals are going to be as flexible as possible. I think they understand the need, and I think that at some point they'll come together and get something done. I, I could just really – it'd be hard for me to imagine, Kevin, seeing those guys finish their careers in another uniform other than the one they've been wearing. Well, you're not kidding. I mean, we get that feedback from from listeners and Cardinals fans all the time too that, you know, how do you picture it without them, and could you picture those guys in different uniforms? And look, it's about the on-field performance for sure, right? I mean, Wayno will be a Cardinals Hall of Famer. Yachty will probably be both a Cardinals Hall of Famer and a Baseball Hall of Fame Hall of Famer. Um, and, you know, they're also big parts of the of the community off the field. I mean, uh, 2018, Yadier Molina won the Roberto Clemente Award for his off-the-field work. And, you know, Adam Wainwright just was just given that award this week. And, you know, I, I want to play a clip of what Wayno said about that earlier this week because I think that, you know, this is the kind of thing you'd like to have influencing your clubhouse. And Wayno was given what is... I think perceived by players as the as the most prestigious award a player can win for for anything that's not just related to putting up statistics. Um, you know, Wayno was very appreciative of of it, and also said that essentially this, he, what he would like to come of this is to influence others so that they follow in his footsteps. My biggest hope, of, honestly, of all of this is that it would inspire other players that are doing great things to continue their work and to to try to keep going and. And it'll inspire players who haven't really found their niche yet. I mean, that's one of our big causes at Big League Impact is helping those players who don't have a cause yet, who don't know how to help in the community yet, who don't really know how to go about anything charitably, helping those players find their passions and find their spot in the world to go out and do that. The thing we talk about with these guys, Klaibs, um, is certainly performance. And they were both good performers. Yachty ties together the pitching and the defense. Wayno was the best starter on the team in a shortened 2020 season. But even more than that, though, I mean, they, they, they provide basically guideposts for young players, both in terms of how to play and then how to be <clears throat> off the field. And it's been something that we've seen over years when young players come into the clubhouse or even players from other organizations they have always, in a professional manner, reminded them, this is how we do it here, and it's and it's worked. We've been successful. We've been good on and off the field. And, you know, they don't ask you to do much more than just be a professional. And other players have taken it upon themselves to be more involved in the community. And it's something that you almost expect now when you become a Cardinal to be part of where you grow up and where you play. 
We've got a lot to cover, a lot of ground to cover here over the next couple of hours. I want to remind everybody, too, we're going to be helping you kind of stay in tune with ideas for the holidays as well. I mean, you know, this is the time of year, Klaibs, you know, where we talk about, you know, sometimes it's season ticket packages or holiday packages and all that. We've got some cool stuff to pass along. Uh, In fact, we're going to give away a couple of 2021 Cardinals calendars over the course of these two hours, one at the end of this hour one at the end of next hour, and we'll give you some ideas for gifts along those lines. And on that note, um, you can shop from home for authentic caps, T-shirts, jerseys, hoodies, and more. Uh, You can give the gift of baseball to every fan on your list at the official source, that is MLBshop.com. All right, so we got a lot to do, Claves. We are going to hear from John Mosellock when we come back. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. And 2020 with a win. Give a gift subscription to Cardinals Magazine, the perfect baseball companion in season and out. You can order at cardinals.com slash magazine or call 314-345-9000 to get yourself set up. Of course, this is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And, Claves, I know we both uh, listened to John Mosellock talking. Boy, he had, a, he had a lot to say today. I mean, he covered, what, about 45, 50 minutes worth of time uh, talking about where things are now and, you know, the possibilities moving forward. I, we, there's no way we can cover all that ground here in a segment or even in a two-hour show, so we might have to spread it out a little bit. But I think, I think Mo was pretty forthcoming today. I agree with you. He was, uh, I, and I think he had a chance to think about what's being said and what was, what kind of questions were going to be asked. Uh, and let's face it, this is a team that everybody looks at and says, well, they pitch a little bit, they can catch it a little bit, but they don't hit enough. And that was something that he was quick to respond to and just address what their options could be. And, you know, I, I thought he covered all the ground as well as he could, considering there are a lot of things that still aren't in his hands with respect to how things are going to shake out scheduling. Uh, he did address one thing, Kevin, I thought was important with regard to having that January step camp, more or less. Not going to do that this year. I think right. when they go to Florida, they want to make sure that they are as well equipped as they can be for the long haul and hopefully not having any stoppages along the way like we did last year or this, yeah, this, absolutely. this year, 2020. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I mean, that you know, he, he talked about, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody yet knows exactly when everybody's going to report or when opening day is going to be. I mean, I think we, we hope that everything will stay on schedule, but, you know, I don't think any, any of us, and certainly, you know, uh, the teams in the league would like to have control over it. I just don't think anybody does have control over it. So No, they you know, don't. No. We'll just have to kind of wait and see where everything takes us. But I think we do know, Klaibs, you and I, we've talked about it a number of times. Um, I think every Cardinals fan that that uh, is listening now or, or maybe listening in the future is going to agree with us. Like the number one thing that the Cardinals need on the field this offseason is certainly going to be more offense. And I would agree. I would, I would add to that maybe a little bit more consistent offense, right? I mean, Scoring 10 runs one day and then two runs for the next four days is not really all that productive in wins and losses. The consistency is going to be a big issue. I think the the approach, the attack uh, of saying this is how we're going to approach things and not just be able, as you mentioned, go out and score the 10 runs. You have to make sure that the opposition says, all right, we have to figure out a way to get this guy out. They do this really well. Uh, they can move runners along. They they have to do the fundamental things well before we can start looking at trying to have the big five or eight run innings. And once they have a legitimate form of an attack, 
that's going to be what's going to get them moving on a more consistent basis as far as scoring runs. You don't have to score 10 runs every night. No. But you need to have at least four to five runs you know you can put on the board up and down the lineup. You can't put it on Goldschmidt. You just can't put it on DeYoung. You have to have some consistency up and down the lineup. And if you have a guy who doesn't hit as well, but he's good enough defensively to warrant him being in the ballgame, so be it. We may see a little bit more platooning this year. We may see Mm -hmm. more guys who do well against lefties compared to righties. And I think what more than anything else, we're going to see this entire roster be used. And that's going to be the key for this ball club, assembling a roster where everybody can contribute. Here's a little bit of what John Mosellock said earlier today about that. Uh, He was asked whether or not the team would have to consider offense more than defense, given the emphasis that they put on defense these last couple of years. I think we could lean more towards an offensive-minded player uh, because I don't think it overall would would create a, a, a major gap. Like, for example, you think about Paul Goldschmidt, right? And putting him at first base inherently made other people better. Paul's here, he's staying here, and therefore we have confidence that, you know, that part of the game will stay. Think about someone like Harrison Bader in center field who obviously the ground he can cover and help whomever is on the left or right of him. So, you know, those kind of things are nice to anchor to when you have those types of players um, on your Again, that's John Mosellock from a little bit earlier today talking about uh, that offense versus defense balance and, of course, expanding on that. He makes some good points in there, Claves, about you know the impact that guys like Goldschmidt and Bader can have in really being strong defenders in their own right, but especially in Goldie's case, being a defender that's not only good at what he does, but also protects other infielders, right? I mean, he's so good at first base, it's not a coincidence that the, the infield was automatically locked down once you put him in at first base and they became one of the elite infields in Major League Baseball. I don't know if I've ever seen a bigger difference maker. Now, Albert was like that. But when you think about difference makers at first, for me, it started with Keith Hernandez. We've had some other guys who were okay. Albert comes along. He does an outstanding job at first. But Paul Goldschmidt has been the gold standard for the Cardinals since Albert's left when it comes to defense on the infield with consistency. And you're right. He made a whole lot of guys look a whole lot better. And and, and that's something you got to have. you got to have a bellwether guy that can do that. And Bader was the same guy in the outfield because he made up a lot of things in the gaps for guys who couldn't get there. He did a lot of good things out there as far as his gap coverage. So overall, those are the two. And then, of course, Yachty behind the plate. I know statistically he may not have had the year we've been accustomed to, Kevin, but I think if you watch him day in, day out, you saw the impact he was able to have on this ball club defensively. Well, obviously the team values him and obviously Wayno too. And, you know, another thing that Mo talked about today kind of ties into this, Claves, that, you know, he likes occasionally bringing in a fresh voice and a fresh face and somebody like, like Goldie or Marcelo Zuna or John Lackey back in the day when he wanted a little bit of the rusty nail to come into a clubhouse that might have been a little quiet to give it a little bit more energy. And he actually talked about that today. Like, he likes the idea of that, but right now it's hard to know what's going to be possible because you're still waiting on Yachty and Wayno. I am an advocate for, for fresh faces and trying to keep an environment that feels refreshing and new and, and, and exciting. But when you enter an offseason like we are entering and you have two legacy players that are entering free agency for really the first time, it, it poses a much different variable than just simple change for change. 
Of course, we'll have Mo here on the Countdown to Opening Day show at some point a little bit later on in the offseason, but that was what he had to say, some of what he had to say earlier today. Coming up next, we're going to catch up with the chairman. Bill DeWitt Jr. will join us when we come back on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. Cardinals Gift Guide has you covered this holiday season. It's a one-stop online shop that features great gift ideas for everyone on your list, from gift cards to Cardinals publications, winter warm-up autographs to museum memberships, and so much more. There's definitely something for everyone. Visit cardinals.com slash gift guide today. We continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here, and we are happy to be joined by Cardinals chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. And obviously, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and, uh, again, happy holidays in advance of the Christmas holiday coming up. Hope all is well. And I guess it's a good day to jump in and talk a little ball when we're getting into the hot stove season. And also had a great uh, great bit of news this week for Adam Wainwright picking up a big award. So it's kind of a good day to talk some ball. Yeah, no, it is. Um, You know, this is the time of year when you start thinking about next year. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the winter warm-up is going to be virtual this year, but you know, the winter warm-ups around the corner and, uh, you know, spring training hopefully isn't too far away. You know, Bill, that's a good point you make. It's, it seems like it's just around the corner, but it just feels like we've been away from the game for like a couple of years now. It, it just seems like it's been a, so long since we've actually seen a team on the field. So once we get through COVID and everything starts to hopefully come back to normal, as you look at your team, what do you think you'd like to see done as far as improving the ball club, because you get into postseason play, uh, you played a very good San Diego team, but you always feel like, okay, we can go get them next year. So if you've had a chance to sit back and say, all right, here's what I think we should probably look at trying to do. Well, you make a good point about the, about the uh, San Diego series, you know, that we were ahead there in a, in a, in a game. If we'd won, we, we would have moved, moved on, but um, uh, you know, we just couldn't finish it off. So, you know, there are, they're an up-and-coming team and uh, really good young players. They've drafted well and traded well. And um, so, you know, that was a fun series. Um, but it's great to be there. And we were, we were you know, fortunate. And um, I think Shilty and his staff did a great job getting us to the playoffs, given what we went through last year. But, um, you know, I, I like our club. I like the makeup of our club. Uh, there's always room for improvement, as we know. Uh, you know, it's a, that's the nature of the game every year. You, you hope some young guys come in and prove themselves and earn a spot on the club. And, uh, you hope your veterans, uh, uh, do what they do and, and, uh, you know, all goes well, then you have a winning season and hopefully a playoff team. Now, when it comes to improvements, obviously, you know, we've got 30 teams around Major League Baseball that have to consider more than just, you know, what's available in free agency or trade. I mean, we know that, uh, there's a possible challenge with getting the calendar going normally and when tickets can be sold. I'm guessing that we haven't really made any progress on that front since we still don't have kind of a general idea of when things are going to change in our in our country. Well, that's true. We've um, we've actually uh, I don't know if we've started quite yet, but we're on the verge of starting our season ticket campaign. And of course, uh, you know, if there's a delay in the season or we play. Uh, fewer than 162 games uh, will do credits and refunds and so forth. But, um, you know, we want people talking about baseball and, you know, getting excited about the upcoming season. And so obviously there's uncertainty out there, but 
you know, we know we're going to play baseball, and uh, we hope the Cardinals uh, continue to have winning seasons and and uh, get a shot at October. Let's talk a little baseball. Uh, still no firm decision being rendered with respect to the DH. Are you a little surprised that it's gone this long before we can actually know whether we're going to have the DH in the National League or not? Because that obviously will impact the roster as far as how you want to construct it to have an extra bat in your order. Yeah, well, I, you know, as of right now, we do not have a DH uh, for this coming year. But I know that um, uh, there will be meetings uh, in the near future between MLB and the Players Association about uh, a number of things, in, including – uh, you know, the pandemic, which is still here and, you know, sort of what arrangements would be made if, uh, you know, that continues through spring training or the first part of the season. So, you know, that's open for discussion uh, as one of the items. And uh, there are a lot of things I'll be talking about. So I think it's just sort of wait and see. And of course, after this year, there's a the expiration of the collective bargaining agreement occurs and uh, you know there would be a new agreement following this this coming season what did you think of the dh i mean we only saw it for the 60 games plus the playoffs but and it was the first time we've had a chance to see it with such consistency give me your thoughts on what you thought of that and also you mentioned the labor agreement uh expires after this season do you feel like this is a time where both owners and players need to try and figure out what a partnership could be compared to being so adversarial? You know, that's ideal to to have uh, the players and and the owners on on the same page and do what they collectively feel is in the best interest of the game moving forward. So I know uh, you know we'll make every effort, and I, and I'm sure the players will too to uh, you know try to get a fair agreement and, and one that's good for not only the players, but uh, the owners and the game. Uh, and that's what, uh, you know, it's all about doing an equitable agreement. So, um, you know, the game can move forward. Uh, I'm sort of an advocate for change. Uh, you know, I'm various things with respect to uh, the game itself. Uh, you know, I think, uh, as I talk about the three true outcomes of walks, strikeouts, and home runs, uh, it's exciting home run baseball. But I think we can tweak the game and, and make it uh, a little more entertaining, a little more action. Uh, so I know some of those things will be talked about, too. And that all turns into whether you have a DH or don't. Obviously, you get more offense with a DH, uh, I think, which is a good thing. On the other hand, it takes strategy away from the managers, which isn't as good. So, you know, I could argue both sides of it, and I'm pretty much good either way, to be honest, and we'll just see what happens. Cardinals chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. with us here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. How do you evaluate um, a two-month regular season then, of course, uh, a short playoff season You know, as we look at that relative to what you would normally have when it comes to – player decisions and and evaluating the young guys you referred to earlier i got to believe that that adds another layer of of difficulty you know as they say it, it's a smaller sample size than if you played 162 games on the other hand you know there were some trends that you, you can believe and you know players who had good years you have a a view that they'll continue to play like that and maybe those who struggled if they have a past history of success uh, you know, they maybe just went into a, a 
tough period in, in a short season. So I think you have to evaluate the history, what you believe about players, and not get overly excited when someone, you know, maybe had a good 60-day run or, or get too down when someone, you know, a player uh, maybe didn't play quite as well as you'd hoped he would. But, I, you know, I think it's interesting if you look at some of the young players we have, particularly uh, Dylan Carlson, mm-hmm. you know, he had kind of a typical rookie uh, experience in a short period of time for a young player who's highly talented. You know, he struggled. Uh, I think he got more breaking balls than any hitter in the league there for a while. And, uh, you know, we he took a bit of a timeout, went back down to our, you know, alternate site in Springfield and figured out how to approach that. And when he came back, he, he was the kind of player that, you know, we thought he was and he know, knows he is. And, you know, really excited about what he accomplished when he came back and, and what his future is. Bill, you know, you, you talk about a guy like Carlson. Who were some other players? Because of COVID, we saw some players that weren't necessarily on the fast track to be with us on opening day, but we thought they were going to be part of the organization or part of the big club at some point in the in the year. Anybody else that jumped out at you that you're looking forward to seeing more of next year? Uh, well, you know, we got some of the young pitchers that we got more of a look at this year, like Cabrera, and, you know, good to see Alex Ray is healthy and, you know, he back to his dominant self in a bullpen role, and you know those are those are a couple of big weapons for us. But I got a pretty good rundown from our staff on uh, the group that was in Springfield, some of which came up for for a bit, and and others, you know, just young players that uh, obviously not ready. The only <clears throat> a couple of whom were drafted this year, in fact, and uh, some the year before. So. I feel really good about our draft. We took Jordan Walker in the first round, and you know he he got rave reviews from the scouts and coaches down there in Springfield. And as did Mason Wynn, both young players. Uh, to be honest, I was very excited about the draft because we went for high upside high school kids. Sort of was the theme, and and the top two players are, are in that in that mold, and. You know, they didn't disappoint, I'll tell you that. I really got good reports from both of them. So it's fun to think about them. Certainly they need uh, minor league uh, uh, experience, and they'll get that this year. But the talent's there and and something to look forward to in the future. Yvonne Herrera is not far away, a good young uh, catching prospect who we've had our eye on for a while. And he also performed extremely well down there. And Matthew Libertor, the left-handed pitcher, you know, a close friend of, of Gorman, uh, again, another player that everybody talks about, and they should. He was a first-rounder, and he he's done everything that uh, you could ask for a first-rounder to this point. But both high school drafts, uh, Libertor and Gorman, and, uh, you know, they're exciting players that we'll see uh, – not sure when exactly. Libertor, you never know. I mean, he's a pretty polished left-handed pitcher. And uh, yeah, I think it's a little easier for a pitcher to make it quickly than it is for a high school position player. But, um, you know, there's good talent there. So, you know, when I look not only at 2021 but beyond, I'm pretty excited about what we have. And I'll finish this uh, with the other end of the spectrum, (laughs) guys that are completely the opposite of those young guys, because I know I get asked on a daily basis about uh, Yachty and Wayno, and I know the team isn't going to 
get into negotiations or anything like that in a radio interview, but I'm certain you probably get questions about those guys too. It was nice to see Wayno pick up the Clemente Award this year. And I know, it, you know, in, in a perfect world, it'd probably be nice to have both of those guys continue and finish on as, as members of the organization. Yeah, no question. We'd like to have them back. And uh, they're free agents, so there are 30 teams out there. And, uh, you know, they're, it's every bit they're right. And to check what the market's like. and mm-hmm. uh, But we're in discussions with them, and we'll, we'll just see what develops. But Wayno really deserved the Clemente Award. And uh, I had the good fortune of being able to give him a heads up in advance and, and give him the word that he was getting it. And uh, so that, that was uh, that was a lot of fun because he couldn't have been more excited. He's such a genuine person and uh, what he's done in various communities has really been outstanding. He's just, you know, a great charitable person and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't ask for a better teammate. He's just a super, super guy. It's great stuff. Well, we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, enjoy Christmas and the New Year as we come along, and I'm sure we'll have some good developments to talk about at some point in the not-too-distant future. But enjoy whatever you get as far as family time and everything and all the strangeness that's going on. And we'll talk to you soon, Bill. Thank you for doing this. Okay, thanks a lot. Good to be with you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Cardinals Chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Welcome back to the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. Kevin Wheeler with you here on the Cardinals Radio Network. And we're getting you ready for baseball season, as much as we know about it at this point. Uh, but we're also getting you ready for the holiday season. And uh, I know that in and around St. Louis, the Cardinals gifts, including like the holiday ticket packs, I've given them away, given them to friends and and producers and stuff over the years. Um, you know, things are changing in 2020, and that's why I'm happy to have Martin Coco with us, the Cardinals director of ticket sales and marketing, so we can kind of lay out Martin exactly how this is working. First of all, thanks for coming on. Hope that Thanksgiving treated you well. We'll say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year early in advance, and thanks for coming on. How you doing? Oh, doing good. Glad to be with you guys. And uh, as we said, it's been a unique 2020, but we're planning 2021 and uh, hoping for a more normalcy at Bush Stadium next year. I'm sure that the question you probably get the most right now is what's going on with tickets. I know the holiday packs are always really popular, uh, but obviously the whole baseball world is kind of in wait and see mode right now, right? It is, yeah. And this is the normal time of year. Folks probably know that we launch our ticket sales for the upcoming season. We usually do a holiday ticket packs promotion, and we Mm do our all-inclusive tickets this time of year. So with all the uncertainty on planning 21, at least at this point, we've decided to hold off on those ticket sales uh, timeframes, at least for December. We want to wait until we get a little bit earlier, uh, or sorry, a little bit later into uh, the off season and, and have a little bit better idea of how we want to plan these things out um, along with, you know, knowing from major league baseball, what, what kind of guidelines we're going to have. So right. we've decided to hold off at this point on our, our, uh, our traditional December ticket launch, but also for people who are looking for Cardinals themed gift ideas, we have a lot of other good ideas that we are happy to pass along. So you guys obviously made it simple. I mean, anybody that wants to check out some some ideas of their own, they can go to cardinals.com slash gift guide. And I, I clicked on that uh, the other day, Martin, and 
Uh, I'd say there are a few options. <laughs> You've got a lot of a lot of different ways to spread some cardinal cheer if you want to for Christmas. There definitely are. We uh, we you know this time of year we're usually on with you telling people to think about buying tickets as a as right. their primary gift idea. Uh, and a lot of these ideas though have been great gift ideas in previous years, and we we've, we've uh, made sure people know about those as well. Um, and and even we're not quite there yet with ticket sales. A lot of these other gift ideas for for Car- the Cardinals fan in your life are still great ideas. Uh, we have Cardinals gift cards, which are good for uh, usage for tickets uh, oh. when they do go on sale, or uh, concessions and the Cardinals team store, and really anything inside Bush Stadium that you want to buy. A Cardinals gift card is available for purchase uh, online and uh, is a is a great gift idea that has multiple different uses. Uh, but there's a lot of other options that are, are very specific on there as well. We have Cardinals Magazine, uh, which is a great long-standing publication. A subscription to that is a great gift idea. A couple of different membership ideas. The Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum is selling memberships uh, as normal. And then also the Cardinals Kids Club. If there's any young Cardinals fans in your life, that's a great gift idea. Those are a few ideas, but there's a whole lot more, as you said, that are there on the on the gift guide on our website that uh, might inspire some some gift giving ideas. Yeah, some really good ones. I mean, obviously, jerseys are always popular, right? I mean, that's I'm sure like year in and year out, that's going to be something that's interesting. Also, um, I know I was looking at it the other day too that there's a custom shop where you can kind of make things your own, and it's not just jerseys, but a lot of other things that are listed in there as well. I see some. Uh, like wallets and uh, some of the, uh, what do you call it, the tumblers that keep your drinks cold or, or hot, I guess, if you're going the coffee route here during the winter. But I thought that was cool is the customization that's available there. There is definitely that. And then we also uh, have the winter warm-up, as people may know, is going virtual oh, yeah. this year. So there's the autograph options there. That uh, There's some personalization available through those autograph uh, options this year as well. So Certainly a lot of, uh, as you said, uh, personalization and uh, ability to really make it unique for the gift uh, recipient. You know, that's a, you know, I'm glad you brought that up about, uh, about the winter warm-up because, as you mentioned, it's gone all virtual, but obviously still, you know, everybody's looking to um, fund Cardinals Care. Right? We would still want these things, you know, the, the programs that would normally follow to continue to happen. So it's a great way to think about gift ideas there. And, of course, uh, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, the – what what an off season is for a baseball fan, Martin. It's just kind of like all right, counting down to when you can go to a game. And unfortunately, now we don't know in Major League Baseball yet when we can go. But we do have a pretty good idea that there's going to be baseball, so we can still celebrate the holidays that way. That's for sure. You know, there's uh, uh, plenty of unique uh, ideas there at the website. And as we know, 2020 has been a very unique year, so some, some things we had to miss out on, like attending games in person in 2020, but uh, we know uh, there are still a lot of Cardinals fans out there who are looking for good ideas, so hopefully this helps uh, jog some good ideas and, uh, and, and can give people some, some good, good gift-giving options. Yeah, and I and I should point out finally, I, I meant to ask about this in the beginning, but I forgot to. Uh, but there's also the section, as you mentioned, with Cardinals auctions, and you can go in there and bid on a number of different autograph autograph baseballs and some pictures and things along those lines too. And I'm sure when they change, there'll be new ones there. Uh, you guys, I'll tell you this, Martin, you guys definitely don't come up come up short on ideas. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. Uh, you guys, whatever whatever creativity was needed certainly was found. 
Well, we're looking uh, to to make sure people can fill that or make that scratch that Cardinals itch, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, since we weren't able to do it in person at the ballpark this year, hopefully there's still a lot of good ways that people can uh, take care of the Cardinals fans in their life. Simple and easy. It's cardinals.com slash gift guide. Thanks for the info, man. It's great to catch up with you, Martin. Uh, we'll definitely be looking forward to doing this later on in the offseason here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. And maybe, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, maybe the next time we talk, we could have information on tickets. Maybe, hopefully. Uh, yeah, we're we're keeping our fingers and toes crossed here for sure, too. We're, <laughs> we're looking forward to it, and we're, we're counting on it. We've got the planning, the planning in the works right now, and uh, look forward to having some some news on that early in uh, 2021. That's great. Martin, thanks for doing this. It's good to catch up. We'll definitely talk soon. All right. Take care. There you go. That's Martin Coco, the Director of Ticket Sales and Marketing for the Cardinals, joining us here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. The 2021 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is going virtual. Purchase a 50-50 raffle ticket or personalized autographed items. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash WWU. Stick around. we got more coming up in just a moment here on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The two open. Here swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one. Now, Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Of the Cardinals countdown to opening day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals radio network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. Of course, this is also uh, Claves the time of year we're talking about the holidays and gifts and things along those lines. And I want to remind everybody that the Cardinals gift guide has you covered this holiday season. It's a one-stop online shop that's got great gift ideas for everybody on your list, whether it's gift cards, uh, Cardinals publications, winter warm-up autographs, museum memberships, and a whole lot more than that. There's something for everybody. In fact, there's a lot of great customizable things there, too. It's cardinals.com slash gift guide. Hey, coming up uh, a little bit later on in this hour, we're going to hear from the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt. I'm sure he wouldn't mind having a couple of gifts under the tree like that. Uh, Derek Gould's going to join us in the next segment. But, Clabes, I want to talk – let's talk about a great, great player who we just lost this week. You know, it's been a rough year for greats, especially in Cardinals Nation – uh, losing Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about that over the last several months. Another one here in the last few days, uh, Dick Allen, who who I think arguably the best hitter not currently in the Hall of Fame. Other than Albert Pujols, he might have been the most feared hitter in a Cardinal uniform in my lifetime. And I'm a little older, uh, and I'm going to take Stan out of the equation because I didn't really see a lot of Stan Musial. But uh, I think for the one year he was here, he might have been the most feared guy because, Kevin, when he hit him, there was no question about it. Uh, pound for pound, I, I felt he was one of the strongest players I've ever seen play baseball. I mean, you know, the legend about him was swinging a 40 to 42-ounce bat. They don't even make those bats anymore. And in some of the ballparks he hit home runs in, you know, Mike Shannon tells some great stories about some of the take measures he saw. But here's the other thing. He was a really good player. I mean, he's a rookie of the year. He's the most valuable player. He was an yep. all-star multiple times. I mean, his resume is a very solid one. And I know he missed making the Hall by a vote recently. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why they may be reshuffling the deck because, 
you know, I think the Veterans Committee or whatever they want to call it now has made some mistakes in the past and in not including people like Buck O'Neill uh, yeah. when they could have. And, and I think Dick Allen is a guy who is certainly deserving. And if you don't believe me, you're going to ask any pitcher who tried to face him, especially if he <laughs> threw a curveball, because he hit breaking balls as well as any power hitter you're ever going to see. I'm going to tell you this, Klebs. If, if and this is this isn't a difference in eras, right? I mean, you know, when when he was on the Hall of Fame ballot for the Baseball Writers Association, things that were really valued were the counting numbers, right? Number of hits, mm-hmm. number of home runs, and and he just fell under some of those thresholds, right? He was 1,800 hits. You know, they like 2,000 as a minimum. They love 3,000. You know, 350 homers, which, by the way, is a lot for a guy that played in the pitcher, the most pitcher friendly era in modern baseball history. Uh, but again, it's a not 400 or 500. Too. Yeah, big ballparks. Here's the thing, Klaibs. If he came on the ballot within the last five to 10 years, he would have gotten in because the sabermetric numbers, the sabermetric crowd w- loves Dick Allen. And I looked this up the other day when he passed because I, I couldn't remember any of this. He was, for his offensive production, based on OPS+, Plus, which is adjusted for ballparks in your era and the league you played in, he was 56% above average. Now, that to, a, to an average person, claims that doesn't, that, that's a number. It doesn't mean a lot. That's the same difference between the average and the player as Willie Mays. He was, he, I mean, he, he had the same difference. He, he was better in that regard than Joe DiMaggio and a little bit better than Hank Aaron, too. In other words, he was as good as those guys, but for varying reasons, you know, injuries later in his career, whatever. He, he didn't have the counting numbers, and I think that's a shame that we, we didn't have the ability to recognize that as well. And hopefully, you know, we won't miss too many guys before they pass away again because I think that's the shame of it all. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, one of the things that he had working against him, Dick Allen was his own man, and he had no problem expressing how he felt. And he dealt with a lot of racial injustices in, in the minors and certainly in his early years in Philadelphia. Did not have a good relationship with the Philadelphia media. And when he was traded to St. Louis, I'll never forget, it was the last game that they played in uh, Connie Mack Stadium. The Cardinals were there. And, and Kevin, he hit one into the night. I mean, I, it just <laughs> left the, the, the property, more or less. And it took him maybe about a minute to go around the bases. And they were booing him the whole time. And he just didn't care. But he was a tremendous – there was nothing he couldn't do. I mean, I'm talking about his power – but, you know, when you look at his numbers, I know that one year with the Cardinals, he put up some serious numbers. I think his OPS was like 950. I mean, he really put some oh, yeah. solid seasons together. But you're right. If he was playing today, they'd be falling all over him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he just he had all the tools and uh, we're going to miss him. And I hope that they can right the wrong and getting him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he's certainly a deserving guy. Klebs, I didn't even know this he, until we started talking because I had to look it up because I hear all these stories about his power and how far he hit the baseball and all that I didn't realize he was not that big of a man 5'11 a, no. a, buck, a buck 90 now he probably was more than a buck 90 because a lot of those weights they get put on when you're a rookie and then they never adjust him again mm-hmm. but yeah. you know I mean that's that's not Wish a huge done guy that with me. <laughs> no I agree you know and, and, but here was the thing he from the waist up he was he had these big square shoulders. Yeah. He was kind of pigeon toed, but from from fingertip to shoulder, nobody was stronger than him. And as I mentioned, he swung a forty two ounce bat, and you know nobody even talks about those anymore. 
But yeah, he wasn't what you would call a big man compared to some of the guys we see today. But he was a strong man. There's no doubt. And, you know, this is pre weight room era. This is pre, uh, you know, protein shakes and all the other things and personal trainers. This is just country strong for a lack of a better term. No doubt about it. Well, good. At least we had a chance to mention that. And obviously all the best to his friends and family and the card members of Cardinals Nation who got to watch him and got to know him when he was here in 1970. All right, coming up next, we'll return to the modern times. We're going to be checking in with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. The 2021 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is going virtual this year. You can pick up 50-50 raffle, raffle tickets or personalized autograph items. All you have to do to find out more and to give yourself a shot is visit cardinals.com slash WWU. We continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here and joined by our mutual good friend Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch. And First up, Derek, thank you for doing this. Very much appreciate your time. Anytime we can talk ball with you, we're looking forward to it. And obviously not a, a ton of news here in the last week or so when it comes to like Cardinals and roster stuff. But there was some news actually today with um, the minor league structure and the affiliates for the Cardinals at least staying the same with just a little bit of shuffling, right? Yeah, I mean, just basically a swap of levels. Not a surprise. Um, you know, the Cardinals got to stay sort of out of the – feverish swapping of affiliates and unknown and you know even their affiliates could take some security at a time when so many different places were dealing with whether or not they would survive the well I guess we call it the purge right I mean they they absolutely have downsized minor league baseball you know and and not always in a good way here Um, the only swap is that Peoria goes to high A and Palm Beach goes to low A um, that's just a straight trade between the two. And that makes a lot more sense, too, because you're putting the higher prospects, um, in some cases, the closer to the major prospects, mm-hmm. um, out into the country and out into maybe larger crowds than the Florida State League plays in front of. And you're keeping the players who need instruction, the players who are at the lowest level now of full season play, closer to the, the spring training facilities or at the spring training facilities. I want to talk about the big club, uh, the Cardinals. Um, Obviously, offensive improvement is glaring for the Redbirds. And so my question to you is, can it be fixed internally? And if not, uh, what are some of the options that are realistic as far as what this team is going to look like in 2021? You probably hear a different answer from the team, um, but this is just my view, Mike, is that it cannot be solved internally. They've tried that route. And they can be dismissive of the notion that, well, this was a short season. Don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Yeah, but they've tried that route for the past two years. And so now it's a season and a half or, you know, it's a a season and a third of evidence that they have not been able to generate that offense internally. If anything, one of the most improved offensive players the past two years is Colton Wong. And his (laughs) option wasn't picked up. So, you you know, you go, oh, well, one of the areas where they have improved internally they now don't have. So, um, you know, I, I think I think it's asking a whole lot of a very talented young man in Dylan Carlson to be the offensive improvement internally. He should be the lanyard. He should be the bonus. He should be the, the you know, the booster rocket that uh, that helps him. He shouldn't have to carry the payload 
um, that has to come from outside um, the organization. And how they do that, well, you know what, to be honest, they, they can do it by not abandoning the guys that they have internally who can yet improve, but instead, you know, shifting somewhat to this, to what we saw really work with the Rays and to some extent with the Dodgers. You know, go with matchups. Look at what you have and how best they perform and where best they perform, and then supplement. Um, this market is loaded with opportunities like that, whether it's a guy like Jock Peterson who mashes right-handers, right? Well, then you have your right-handed group that hits left-handers really well. Um, you know, a guy like Listella who could play a lot of different places um, but be a compliment because he could be an everyday player while wanting other guys to become platoon players. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the options out there, that allows you to also maybe take some risks. Um, you know, of the of the outfielders that are out there, I think and you guys push back if you disagree. I mean, the most obvious fit for what they need and where they probably are for their offense might be Eddie Rosario, the former twin, who has led that team in RBIs the past two years, you know, a guy who hits 20 home runs, um, a guy who swings at everything, um, very contact-oriented. Not that many strikeouts, but almost no walks when compared to other guys who hit home runs like he does. So, you know, not the classic fit, but a good fit. But then you could go and look like, does David Dahl have upside? Um, you know, what does Hunter Renfro have? Um, guys like that. Now, you know, they, they're not all left-handed hitters. You've got Renfro as a right-handed hitter. But you can start looking at, okay, if you play the matchup game and try to maximize those, then you're not out there looking for an everyday player. But you're also able to take some risks that might, might have some pretty high returns. There's a lot to that I want to go back to, and one of which is the DH. Uh, how much yeah. has that changed the complexion of this team and, and the organization? And is this a bigger part of the pending labor issue uh, that we're going to see down the road where they've been going back and forth on whether we're going to have it or not? The players want it. The owners don't. So in your opinion, is that going to be one of the many sticking points between players and owner? You are exactly right in framing it that way, Mike, is this is a significant part of the ongoing and upcoming collective bargaining agreement. Um, as of right now, NL teams, including the Cardinals, um, have been urged, and this is the approach the Cardinals are taking, to go toward 2021 as if there's not going to be a DH. Now, those conversations can happen at any time with the union, and the DH can be in at any time from you know for 2021. And there is this general kind of undercurrent that it's going to be there. Um, that is right there alongside with the fact that, you know, the season schedule optimistic right now with 162 is going to change. Um, the start date for opening day, probably going to change. I mean, there, there's a sense in baseball that they have a rough draft of what 2021 is going to look like. And in the coming months, it's going to come, you know, to a, an actual final product and what they'll look like as far as when they can sell tickets and how they want to reduce the number of games so that they can really get fans in the ballpark at some point in time and not have the losses of this past year. And the DH plays into that. And this is where Kevin and I um, had a big discussion is that the DH is a chip for both sides. While they agree the universal DH makes sense now um, and is part of the future of baseball, um, that both sides want something else and want something else from the collective bargaining agreement, want something else from the immediate future. And that allows the DH to be a chip that is played 
but only in the strategy of achieving something else. And it's on those something else's that the sides don't agree on. And so it's not going to be as easy for the DH to all of a sudden be the one element that they agree on and then they move on because both sides see the strength of the DH as a piece of leverage. I mean, we know that the question mark, and you guys, you addressed it really well, the question mark is really how many, how are you going to score more runs more consistently? Run prevention, though, has obviously been the, the calling card of the team. And, you know, we, we can't forecast perfectly good health, but this Derek might be the best bullpen in baseball if it's reasonably healthy. You could have four guys blowing 100 from the right side at the back end of that bullpen, guys that can work multiple innings in the middle, a uh, guy like Gallegos who may not throw 100 but strikes a lot of people out. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what this may be, uh, especially for a team that, you know, again, is probably going to have to go back to that identity of catching the baseball and pitching. Yeah, I think this bullpen sets up well for the novelty of what we're going to see with pitching in 2021. Um, I, I think, I think you know, it's safe to say it's not going to be a 60-game season again. Um, probably reasonable to expect that maybe it's in that 140, 144, 154 range season. Even then, they're not going to ask the starters to go from 40, 50, 60 innings in one season to 210 or 180 innings the next. And what that means is that these bullpens are going to have some – elasticity and you're going to need some options um, meaning guys who can move from triple a back and forth um, but also add length and when you look out there to what the cardinals have um you know in their bullpen and in their depth um you know they they have length they have swing men is what we used to call them right do we still call them that um guys who can start sometimes can offer middle innings and can pitch in high leverage well that describes you know alex reyes that describes Carlos Martinez. That describes Austin Gomber. That describes Daniel Ponce de Leon. Um, that could describe Jake Woodford, right? Um, yeah. It could also describe Zach Thompson or Matthew Libertor at some <laughs> point in time. So these swingman notion that can absorb those innings so that, you know, Jack Flaherty, you know, he might go from, you know, what he's through this past year, 50 innings-ish, 140 innings. Well, somebody's going to have to cover that gap, you know, if they play the 140, 144 season. And that's where the swingmen come into play because they might start sometimes, go three innings. They might relieve sometimes, go three innings. And those are really valuable. And I think that's, you know, where this bullpen, not just the fire breathing dragons that they have at the back end, which would really help them if, say, they brought back John Brebbia, who has a strikeout rate of, of, that fits right in there and is a short burst guy. Right. Um, but you know, if, if you look at the fire breathing dragons, they could have on the back end and the versatility of some of those guys and some of the other guys to handle multiple innings that, that gives this, this bullpen real might where the other bullpens in this division do not have that. Oh, that's for sure. Derek, that's great stuff, bud. You know, we love talking to you anytime. And you know, as we found out when we do podcasts together, I could go on all day. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not able to do that in real time here now. But thanks for jumping on. Uh, you and the family enjoy Christmas. And obviously, we'll talk off the air before then. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon here on the air at some point. Uh, but be good, stay safe, and we'll definitely look forward to catching up to you in just a little bit. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Great to hear from both of you. Have a healthy holiday season. Many thanks, thanks Derek, Derek. to the Post-Dispatch. And, by the way, I want to remind everybody, stick around. We're going to follow this up. Mike Schilt is joining us next. Of course, the skipper of the Cardinals here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, we continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here as we get through our first show of this this new offseason. Very much looking forward to talking to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, who's joining us right now here on the program. And first of all, Mike, hope you're doing well. Hope the offseason's going well after... Got to be easily the strangest season in modern baseball history. Yeah, uh, clearly the strangest one that um ever been a part of and hopefully ever um, will be a part of. But, yeah, doing good, enjoying the offseason. Hope you guys are doing well, and it's a pleasure to spend some time with you. It was an unusual season for sure. But, you know, every year we see teams that do things. We see trends. We see fads. We see things that take place that next year teams want to try and abide by more, whether it's the shift or maybe the way people use a bullpen. Did you see anything like that this year? I know it was a real condensed season, but is there anything that you kind of made a mental note about? That's, that may say next year we might want to look at that more or we want to stay away from that? Well, you know, there, just a, there was a multitude of changes in our game, both on the field and off the field. You know, with on the field, the extra inning rule, um, the three batter minimum, you know, the seven inning double headers, you know, so there were some fairly significant things that, of course, we had the DH in the National League, which it is what it is, but didn't love it. Um, but you know, so you look at those things, and, and um, you know, in real time last year we were looking at the strategies involved with the extra innings, and you know, some of the three batter minimum stuff. So those are things we probably are looking at the most and, and thinking about. Still uncertain. I know the three batter minimum is going to going to stay, but still uncertain where the extra innings, what that looks like, um, and then whether we'll we'll play the seven inning double headers if we go to a condensed schedule, which I don't know that we will, but. So those are things on the field that, you know, you reflect on and look at as far as some different trends. And then just the later report times based on the restrictions of when we could report for the players and the staff and talking to talking to both the players and staff and trying to gather, gather information to figure out, okay, what did we learn about the different um, report times and the more condensed report times? What do we like? What can we do different? And what, what did we really um, did we miss because of it? You know, kind of tying into that, Mike, uh, how do you evaluate any, anything on a 60-game season? I mean, it has value. It has meaning. I mean, it's a third of a year. But we get that question a lot from, from fans about whether it's about individual players or the bigger picture things that you're talking about. How, how Have you guys come up with a way to weigh that versus the full season? Uh, you know, I think there's clearly takeaways. I mean, we, there was a body of work there individually and as a group and um, – We've done just that. We've taken inventory of what that looks like and, um, you know, try to put the proper amount of weight on it appropriately. And But you can't ignore the fact that, you know, innings were had, at-bats were had, and, and games were played. So um, there's a value in what took place on either side of the spectrum. And in some cases, um, based on, you know, you know, an individual interruption of a player having COVID or, or – um, the disruption of our schedule that's well documented, you know, you factor those things in well uh, as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's not a straight up evaluation that we're used to, but nonetheless, there's an evaluation that has taken place that we feel like put an appropriate uh, weight to. I've seen some things too, Mike, that are questions related. I think that every team's facing is like managing the workloads for everybody in 2021 coming off the shortened season. Is that something you guys have looked at too, of trying to figure out, 
how many innings guys get. Does do every do guys play every day after only playing two months? That's got to be an interesting set of questions for a new year. Yeah, no, it is. I will say this: um, me and a couple of the players were talking about this as we've we've unpacked the last year and looking forward to this year, and, and staff too. But people have been were really pleased with how well we were able to balance the load. Because you mentioned it's only two months, but our two months were crammed into really six weeks. Um, and so if you look out outside of Dakota, which which likely, you know, a lot of his information, you know, was pre-existing, had been building up. And candidly, Dakota had, you know, probably outside of Jack, the most conservative back-to-play plan. But we really, relative to the industry, we were we did, we did a tremendous job to the – credit of the players themselves staying mentally and physically ready and then our support staff and then you know to some degree how we how we you know managed especially the pitching you know we didn't have a lot of overuse injuries so you know we'll continue to be mindful of what that looks like we'll take into account the the loads that took place previously um i will say this you know when you look at it and people say well they played a two-month season there was there was still a lot of baseball, and guys still stayed in a in a fairly good rhythm once because I mean, they had a normal spring training up until um, I believe March 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did get 20 um, days of spring training in, so roughly three quarters of our spring training did get accomplished. And then we had a, a well documented you know quarantine break, um, but guys were still staying active during that. And then we had a you know a three week summer camp um, or close to three week summer camp, and then it led us into our season. So you know, as far as guys staying and being in baseball shape and throwing and doing different things, there were still innings that weren't on the back of a baseball card that took place inside and, and ground balls. So, so guys, you know, got in close to, you know, the, the workload of a full season. Cardinal manager Mike Schilt joins us here on Countdown to Opening Day. And, Mike, uh, I'll take Dylan Carlson off the table on this question. When the season ended for you last year, there were a lot of players you'd had a chance to see for the first time. Give me a couple of players that really caught your eyes as the season progressed that you're looking forward to watching, certainly when spring training rolls around and obviously when the season comes about. You know, it was good to see Austin Gomber after missing, you know, 2019 with us. You know, he finished up strongly in, in 18, helped us out uh, making a push, won five games in August, but um, came up, you know, into July, I believe. But you know, this is a guy that pitched really well for us this year in multiple roles out of the bullpen, short and long, and then started and did a really, really nice job for us. Um, so it was really good to see Austin and evaluate him, and he had a real positive year, I thought, for us, and, and, and somewhat unheralded, perhaps. Similar to Alex Reyes. I mean, Alex Reyes uh, missed three years, came back, and was a difference maker, especially towards the end and down the stretch for us. You know, I thought those both those guys were – for guys we hadn't seen in a while that came up and, and, and really played well um, and did a nice job for us. So, you know, outside of that, positionally, um, you know, we most of the guys have had multiple opportunities. Um, Austin Dean did come up, um, you know, got sidetracked, made the club out of spring training or the summer camp and, you know, got COVID and got had a setback there. But, Got a few at bats towards the end of the year and, and took advantage of them, and then had a, a flexor strain. So, you know, it was good to see him come to the organization, have a good spring train, have a good summer camp, contributing a couple of times he was able to get out in the field. And so, you know, excited to see him moving forward as well. 
So I'll go uh, totally opposite end of the spectrum, Mike, uh, from the young guys to the two stalwarts that we've been talking about, Adam Wainwright and, and Yadier Molina. I'm sure that you're rooting heavily for those guys to be back. I mean, Wayno uh, just won the Roberto Clemente Award. Yadi won that in 2018. Uh, I mean, obviously a huge part of this team for the last 15 to 17 years, and I know a big part of this for you too. Yeah, huge pillars for this organization for a long time, winning players and and winning people, you know, with, with hearts of, of literal gold, man. I mean, these guys are high-character guys that care more about others than they care about themselves, which makes them such great teammates. I mean, clearly they're really accomplished players and talented, and, um, but their residual value is really high, and the fact they bring others around them up and make them better, and there's no coincidence they've had the success they've had um, on the field for the Cardinals and, and off the field as well. And like you mentioned, you know, congratulations to Ueno on the – a really prestigious um, award, the Clemente Award, probably the most individual prestigious award we have in our game. And, of course, Yachty's fresh off the heels of winning it in 2018. Both are deserving and a little surprised he hadn't won it earlier, but glad they both got recognized for all they've done. But it also speaks to the character of both of them and how important they are to to um, our industry and, and our organization. And I don't think, you know, there's any question that everybody would like to have them back. And it, we do get reminded this is a business and, this is a reminder of it, um, but clearly uh, for my chair, we'd love to have them both back and because um, they're a big part of what we do, how we do it, and when it would, would, would appreciate them being able to, to be on our club again. And I know they make me a lot smarter. It seems like it's been such a long off season, And for you, this is your first year of marriage with family. Um, have you learned any new hobbies, picked up any habits, good or bad, uh, because COVID has kind of limited our movement somewhat. So what about you? What, what's new about Mike Ship? Well, yeah, it is our first off-season of marriage. It's going really well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I got, I know what day the trash goes out, Claves. Um, I got that down. So we've, we're enjoying each other and, and um, appreciating the downtime and spending time with the girls. And, you know, we get out in nature. We like to, we like to hunt and we like to just be outside. And, and we also like to just spend time with ourselves and, and the family and just be able to relax and, and enjoy each other. So, um, you know, we stay on the go as much as possible in this COVID world, but we also take the time to decompress and, and shoot down to the beach and, and just listen and watch the waves too. Well, you got me beat on a lot of those, Mike. <laughs> I'm still figuring out the garbage, and I've been living in the same place for the last 14 years. Yeah, I occasionally have to text a neighbor. If they don't want to ask Michelle, I'll text the neighbor. You know, hey, is this recycle day? Is it, you know, first Friday of the month? What, what are we working with here? Well, Mike, this has been fun, and we really appreciate you joining us and talking a little ball in advance of Christmas. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more to talk about whether it's moves or spring training or once we know what look what the season looks like. And we'll look forward to talking to you again a little bit down the road. Thanks for doing this. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year if we don't talk to you before then. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Have a blessed holiday season. And there he goes, the skipper, Mike Schilt, with us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. And, of course, it, with, with the holidays in mind, I want to remind you of this. Shop from home for authentic caps, tees, jerseys, hoodies, and more. I can give the gift of baseball to every fan on your list at the official source. That's MLBshop.com. Stick around. We're still going to be giving away a 2021 Cardinals calendar in just a little bit. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX.
It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you. Happy to have Steve Zesch with us here, the director of Cardinals Publications. Because, Steve, we're almost at 2021, and thank God for that. And that means it's time for the new calendar that the Cardinals put out every year. And, of course, you guys put a lot of effort into making this thing something more than just something's going to hang on your wall in the background. I mean, for Cardinals fans, it's a pretty cool setup that you guys have. Indeed, it's one of our our glossy pieces that we put out. We uh, put a lot of time and research into it. And often the calendar is themed around the great photography that our team of photographers generates each year. You know, their pieces are legitimate artwork, and we, uh, we go through that inventory. And, and pick out the very best of the best. But, you know, this year, I thought, when we're going through 2021, I don't want to look back at 2020 and see baseball shots with uh, empty seats in a ballpark, guys, you know, sitting in the stands with masks on. <laughs> and uh, so, so while we still got great photography that we feature in our magazine, I thought, I don't want people looking at a whole year of 2020 throughout 2021 and uh, what could be better than celebrations and uh You know, just started thinking about it, and it's like, man, we got some great material here. Let's go with the uplifting, uh, happy shots that uh, when you look at them, you're going to feel good about the Cardinals and about, you know, watching Cardinals baseball. Last year's calendar is now a collector's item because uh, while the (laughs) dates might have been accurate, nothing else took place on that particular calendar as far as who we were playing and when. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I I have a chance to look at it and – Again, the artwork, I think, is just it just stands out so much. You mentioned your photographers who shoot, I'm sure, thousands of photographs during the course of the year. And to pick out a handful of them, man, it's got to be tedious work. Well, yeah, it's, it's good work, too. And, uh, you know, with this, we're, we're going into our archives. And I'm not saying this with any sense of uh, braggadocio or, or pride here, but I've probably looked at more Cardinals photos than anybody uh, being 25 years in the job. And uh, so I'm familiar with all of it. But what I like to do is use stuff that we haven't seen again and again and again. And for these shots where we, you know, pick out celebrations of great moments from the past, we try to spread it around, get stuff from different eras, but also not just recycle the same shots that uh, people are accustomed to seeing. So I have a pretty good handle on what we've used in the past a lot and uh, tried to mix it up. And not that we went to uh, second-rate material. These things are all first-rate. And uh, they're really, really great shots to capture that moment in time. And, hey, while some of them, yeah, you, you can't avoid, you know, we've all seen the Aussie shot where he's sleeping into the pile at, uh, <laughs> at home. You, you know, but who gets tired of that? And plus, we'll never see another shot like that again because the TV cameras beat half the roster out to the dog pile these days. So you're seeing things that we're not going to see anymore with, hey, no TV cameras running in the shot right behind the player. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned that. One, I think my favorite one that I that I peeked at here was the, the August picture, and I don't want to give away too much, but if people want to look at it, it's from October 20th, 1982. And you, you talk about a Where's Waldo photo. You, you know, you've got a celebration going on on the old turf, which was flashback to the you know old days of actual AstroTurf. You can't see almost any players. It's all fans, police officers with their clubs out, and police dogs. It's a fantastic, chaotic picture, man. You got the canine uh, patrol right there in the <laughs> middle, and, and and you look at the top, and and there's some cat who's running across the field. He's just spilled his cooler and his load of ice there. It's like, what's this guy doing with a load of ice and a cooler on the field? 
<laughs> oh man, it's you beautiful. know what I tell you, Steve. I, I love the photograph of uh, McCarver, Gibson, Cepeda, and Shannon. That's one of my favorite photographs as well. And I think when fans get a chance to see this calendar, it's going to bring back so many memories of so many good times we've had in St. Louis over the course of what the last fifty plus years. Yeah, exactly. And that, that one there, yeah, that knocked my socks off too. And we put it on the cover as well. They're all legends. And it's the greatest game pitched by the greatest pitcher in the greatest year of pitching. And they're coming off that field after game one of the 68 series. And, and hey, Gibson's cracking a rare smile there. He's even uh, into it as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the calendar at all area grocers. You can get them at um, the Cardinals Clubhouse stores, at the team store at Bush Stadium. You can also call 314-345-9000. And if you do need this by Christmas, Uh, You can order all the way up until December 18th, and it will get to you. So you've got some great options, a lot of different ways to pick it up. Steve, thanks for uh, letting us know about all of this. We'll look forward to um, 2021 playing out and hopefully a little bit smoother than 2020 went, and we appreciate you doing this. Have a great holiday season. Yeah, thanks for spreading the word, guys. You too now. That's Steve Zash, the director of Cardinals Publications, with us. Uh, Stick around, by the way. We're going to be giving away a 2021 calendar when we come back here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. Get ready to wrap it up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you. It's been a, a heck of a fun couple of hours. Many, many thanks to John Mosellock, Bill DeWitt Jr., Derek Gould, Mike Schilt. Of course, Mo didn't join us live, but spent... 50 minutes doing a press conference earlier today, which gave us a lot of great information. And we may have to check in with Mo again a little bit later on in the off season, but a lot got done here in these two hours. And we'll be doing this again every single week here on the Cardinals radio network moving forward. Now, before we run out of time, we want to make sure we give away another 2021 Cardinals calendar. So again, first caller at 314-513-1120. 314-513-1120 will give away a 2021 Cardinals calendar. Of course, if you don't win this, you can go out and find one in your area grocery store and other retailers as well. Many thanks to everybody for tuning in and for all of our guests. We'll catch you next week here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.